welcome to the Ham and High podcast. My name's Andre Longley, and I'm pleased to say we're back in 2021 for a second series with a great lineup of guests. We start with a young Highgate-based actor named Linus Carp, whose most recent show is a silly and affectionate appraisal of Tom Hooper's film version of the musical Cats. We spoke on December 10th, before the country went back into lockdown. I hope you enjoyed this very jellical chat. So, Linus Cup, welcome to the Ham and High podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you very much. Um, I'm doing. I'm doing well. Yeah. Um, for listeners who may not be aware, Linus is an actor and director and writer, or just a couple of those things. Um, I guess now with my latest show, I've sort of covered everything. I guess uh, normally acting is the main thing, but I'll do. I'll do whatever I can. <laughs> Let's. Well, we'll we'll talk a bit about your um, your your life in theatre. That sounds really grand, doesn't it? About your 40 years in theatre, <laughs> a bit later. But let's start with the show that you've been doing, um, well, towards the end of lockdown, uh, which is called... How to Live a Jellical Life, Life Lessons from the 2019 hit movie musical Cats. It's a lot of words. So this is the movie that came out last year and got, well, an incredible reaction. Um, <laughs> I think people saw the trailer, didn't they? And yeah. And freaked out, essentially. Um, what was it that inspired you to look at it? When I saw the trailer stuff and everyone talking about it, I didn't really care that much at first. I guess I wasn't as... I didn't find it that shocking or outraging. Um, and then I went to see it with my partner and another friend, um, just because they wanted to see it. I wasn't even that bothered. But then seeing it, like it was like a whole new world just opened to me. I thought it was incredible. There's nothing like it. I'd never seen anything like it. And, I mean, I don't think any of, any of us will see anything like it again. Um and I just couldn't stop thinking about it, and I had to do a show about it. <laughs> and were you with the people you were with? Did they get the same impression, or was it just you? And they were all looking at you, going, "What the hell are you talking?" Um, mainly me. <laughs> <laughs> like as we were leaving the theatre, they were sort of like starting talking about it because they were both fans of the stage show as well, which I hadn't seen, um, and they were sort of comparing it and saying, "Oh, I didn't really like this bit." Whatever. I was like, "I just thought that was great." It just felt like you'd been taken away to another world, and it was so ridiculous and incredible and yeah mind-blowing <laughs> I think I've not seen the film I've seen the stage show which is great and kind of takes you mm. to another world as well yeah and it's a bizarre idea for a musical anyway isn't it to set these fairly loosely connected or not connected poems from T.S. Eliot to um, to music and there's some classic songs in there what was it the dream was it the characters or was it I suppose sorry going to Cats for the first time you weren't familiar with the songs probably either no, I wasn't. So, I mean, I did love... I mean, the music is incredible. Uh, whatever you think of the film ad- adaptation, like, the music is incredible. Um, so that always draws you in. And then I think it's the combination of it being... Obviously, there's an enormous amount of very talented people doing incredible things. In it. Like, the dancing is incredible. You've got wonderful actors. You've got people like Jennifer Hudson singing, which is incredible. And then on top of that, you've got the ridiculous... And, I mean, sometimes great, and sometimes questionable CGI and a script that is weird. And I think it's the combination of things being amazing and ridiculous and fantastic and funny at the same time. <laughs> and then the, the show's life lessons from it, uh, is this tongue-in-cheek or do you think there's genuine life lessons to be got from the film? I mean, it is a very silly comedy. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I do th- I think there's always things to learn from it. And 
I mean, each cat have their own story and their own jellical life that we can learn from. <laughs> what might be one? Give us a taster. I would say, well, I mean, looking at Jenny Anandot, for example, the first cat, she's a teacher, she's teaching uh, the mice and the cockroaches how to do things, and I think we can learn from that that teaching is a very jellical thing to do. But she's also, on the other side, they talk about how much she's sitting all the time. She sits and sits and sits and sits. So she's also uh, looking after herself and taking it easy and relaxing, which is also jellical. So I think it's jellical to find our work, rest, life life balance as well. That's a very jellical thing. (laughs) I suppose what jumped out at people was the the uncanny valley of the faces, wasn't it? That was... That was what freaked people out. It's interesting that you you don't seem to you didn't seem to get that at all. Um, no, I don't think. I mean, it didn't freak me out in any way. I found I I think it's fasc- fascinating the way they look, um, and a lot of the time it is. I mean, beautiful is a strong word, but it's toward, <laughs> towards there at least. I'd say. Mm. I wonder if it'll be one of those films that in like ten years' time will be looked on as a, a classic. Um, of its kind, as in flawed, but people will just love watching it for for the laughs. I think so. I think it's already started having... I mean, pre-lockdown, there were loads of, like, screenings, uh, as in with Rocky Horror Show or, or, or The Rube or things like mm-hmm. that. I think it's already getting that status to some extent, and obviously time will probably increase that. So we're um, we're chatting in Highgate, where you live at the moment. Your accent isn't a Highgate one. Where are you from originally? I'm from Sweden. So what brought you to, to North London? Um, so I, I've been living in Highgate for a year and a half now, coming up to two years, actually. Um, I've been living in the UK for seven years. Yeah, over seven years now, so it's been a while. Um, I think Highgate is, I mean, by far my favourite place here in London. I guess I have to say that on this podcast as well. Um, <laughs> but I feel like this is the first time living here where I've really felt more at home. Um, I mean, with all the woods and stuff, it's almost like Sweden anyway. And um, you've been you've been working at French Theatre for those six, seven years in the UK? Um, yes, I guess the last three, four years is where I've been more proactive outside of just being an actor as well. So I've been sort of like producing and uh, setting up shows and making it happen a bit more but acting has um, and theatre has been sort of my main thing that I've either been doing or been trying to do <laughs> since I moved here. And I mean you had a show was it Edinburgh last year you had remind me of the title of that one. Oh yeah that one was Awkward Conversations with Animals I F***ed so bleeped up, bleep out if necessary. I might be the first bleep on the Haven't I podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but which I gather went well in yes. Edinburgh. Yeah, it did. So it was in Edinburgh at 2018, and then I did a, a run at the King's, Theatre, King's Head Theatre in Islington, and then also a national tour in the autumn of last year, um, which was very exciting. The first time I got to travel around the country. That was your first proper national tour, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was. I've done like shows in, in Rome and like in other places, but never actually like tour them, and I haven't actually since moving here. I haven't been around the UK that much. It was really nice to get to to visit Manchester and Newcastle and all of these exciting cities. Yeah, you never thought you'd see Newcastle. No. (laughs) I mean, obviously this year has been somewhat interrupted by um, the Covid situation. Um, Theatres are struggling, it Mm. must be difficult when you've got a show you're trying to put on, you've been trying to put on. You had a run in October, didn't you? Yes, I did. 
um, which I'm, I'm, I feel so lucky and it was very well timed um, that I was able to actually do it. Originally this show was going to be at the Fringe, but obviously that didn't happen. Um, so then it got to happen in October and it had run at the Lion and Unicorn Theatre in Kentish Town, which went so well. Like I'm so pleased with, yeah, with the reaction it got and... Um, and you've managed to sneak in some more dates before Christmas, which may be before this podcast comes out. Um, but it's good to, to, to get them in. How have they done with the um, regulations down there? Um, I'm very impressed with the theatre and how it's done. I, I'm someone who's very careful when it comes to COVID stuff. Like I've had lung operations in like 10 years ago, so I feel like I have to be a bit extra careful. And I didn't want to do the show if I didn't feel like they were doing everything they could to keep mm. it as safe as possible. Um, but they're very on it. Obviously, there's track and trace and hand sanitizers. Everyone is, has to wear a mask and there's social distancing. So you're not sitting near anyone in your own bubble. And everything in the last run seemed to go really well. And there were no problems with the audience or anything. So it worked really well. So I feel confident bringing it back there again. You mentioned before that the, um, the audience is all wearing masks um, in these runs. How does that as an act to look out and only get half an expression? Um, it's strange, especially as this show is a show where I very much address the audience for most of it. Um, when you first go on, I mean, I'm very nervous anyway. And when it's worse, I've written myself, you look at the audience and with them all wearing masks, it's like you can't tell if they're smiling or anything. So you just look at them and think they're all hating it. They're all hating it. They want to leave. And then you obviously can still hear the laughter, which is nice. <laughs> um, and then you can relax a bit more. But at first, that was something that was a bit daunting. And you sort of had to get used to. Did you kind of get into practice of reading people's eyes if you're addressing them directly? Presumably you do want something back immediately. Yeah. I feel like it was hard, even towards the end, like, it was really hard. Because also, like, the light on them is quite dim, obviously. Um, so I can't see them that clearly anyway. So I try to <laughs> not look too closely at their faces <laughs> and just, like, yeah, try and get them to laugh, I guess. <laughs> just to use your feline sense. Yeah, exactly. Of what the room's doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, more generally, so this is the first show you've put together yourself. Um, yeah, where I've written it myself, at least. Was that always an ambition, or was that just something that came up when you fell in love with cats? I've, no, I've always wanted to write, uh, and I've, I mean, I've done bits of writing before, um, but I, I mean, I find it, it's often scary enough to perform anyway, and I, I, I had the plan of writing earlier, but then I thought... I'm too scared of, I mean, just performing, the performing bit is scary. If I then have to worry about putting the right text together as well, that might be too much. But uh, having done shows for a few years, I now felt like I think this is the right time. And also having seen Cats, I was like, well, I'm thinking about this all the time anyway. I might as well put it on the paper. <laughs> you say you get um, nervous before shows. You still get nervous before shows. Yeah. I th yeah. I think confidence might be like my biggest... I don't know, problem, uh, but yeah, that's something I really struggle with, um, especially before shows. So, I mean, maybe it's a, it's a weird profession to choose, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's good to... When I went into journalism, part of the intrigue was forced, because I'm not necessarily the kind of person who would speak comfortably to strangers, but then as soon as it's for work, it's fine, because you've got a good reason to. So I think mm. part of the challenge was to, um, to, to put yourself in a situation where you were doing that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And then as soon as, yeah, it's the same, like, as soon as I'm on stage, usually everything is fine and you, you yeah. end up having, like, a really good time and you just have a weird sort of confidence that you never can achieve in everyday life. I used to play in amateur bands and it was in the days when you could smoke in venues 
and I'd always be slightly shaky before a gig, and then, okay, when it started, but I'd sit on the front of the stage with a cigarette, thinking, yeah, I'm cool, and thinking, I'm not cool, I'm not cool, I'm not cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's very much that, like, when you're in the dressing room beforehand, and you, you hear the audience come in, and you're like, why am I doing this, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah, I could have just been watching Netflix. Right exactly. <laughs> um, have you got other uh, shows in mind, or things to write? Yes, I do have, I've started with ideas of something I want to, I mean, work on with my partner, which I guess would be quite a similar, very, <laughs> very silly show, um, which I'm hoping to, to put together after this is finished. This is a sillier show than Lessons from Cats. And they're probably on the same level. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're not going to give us a, a hint of what it's... Uh, I mean, about. it's it's very gay, I would say, and slightly political, um, that's probably all I'll say for now. <laughs> <laughs> for the uh, for the listener, your partner was nodding through that, so that sounds yeah. like a right correct description without <laughs> giving anything away at this stage. Mm. For people who go into, I think we obviously we've talked about cats and the show, Angelical Life, your show. For people going, what can they expect? I mean, most of all, I think it's just. I mean, I've said the word silly many times already, but it's a silly, fun show. Um, it's been really nice to ha- have people say like it's. It just took me out of the misery of 2020 because obviously with all the, I mean 2020 is the worst year ever. I very much wanted to make something that was very the opposite of that, mm. where you could just go and have an hour of fun. That's just like also silly, gay fun, <laughs> very ridiculous, and it doesn't. You don't have to have seen cats anymore. You just have to to be up for a laugh, pretty much. I think I was going to say that cats haven't had a bad year, have they? Real cats, because they've had lots of owners at home spending time with them. Yeah, if they like that, though. If they, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> space. Mm, yeah, good point. And also, I seem to remember early in the pandemic that they could catch it as well, so yeah. they're not entirely immune from this disastrous year. No, evangelicals have to wear face coverings. <laughs> exactly, yeah, that's the rule. What's the dream job? What's the dream role? I think, I think the dream would be to just be working as um, with as many and as different projects as possible. I'd love to carry on creating my own work, but it, I'd also really mu- would love to be cast in things. And I think the dream would be to go from TV to film to stage and just be able to mm. pick and choose your projects, which obviously very, very few actors can. can choose well-paid yeah. projects exactly. all over the place. And then in, the, in, the, in between, develop your own work as well and write your own things. I mean, I assume that um, working with... Was it Tom Hooper that did the film? Yeah. It was. I assume working on one of his projects along those lines would be... Oh, that would be, that would be so, so fun, actually. Like, yeah, if you're listening, Tom, um, you need someone for Cats too. <laughs> OK, well, yeah, I'm sure he is a listener. Yeah. <laughs> As well as the acting, you do um, some work for one of Highgate's treasures, don't you, at uh, Jackson's Lane? Yes, wonderful Jackson's Lane. Um, I'm one of the uh, duty officers there. So in normal times, I would sort of be there and lock up the building and make sure that things flow through the day, let people into their rehearsal space and things like that. And how are they getting on at the moment? Um, I mean, like like every arts organisation, obviously, it's been very tough for Jackson's Lane. Um, they're currently under refurbishment. Uh, which they planned for quite a while and they were able to push it forward uh, by a few months. So now it's all closed down till early autumn, I think, next year, uh, which is sad, but hopefully we'll get Mm. a very wonderful space then. But I've been very grateful for 
how they've been throughout this pandemic as well, because we've had some some theatres and things that just let let all their staff go, whereas they've been able to keep keep us on furlough, which has been such such an amazing support to have. Um, so I'm very grateful for them for that as well. That's amazing. I mean, generally, the the, the centres and theatres obviously are in varying degrees of of uh, crisis or struggling to varying degrees. Um, how have you? Well, I suppose how do you see how the government's reacted when it comes to the arts? I mean, not great. <laughs> I think most people, especially within the within the arts community, um, haven't been very pleased with how they've been handling it. Obviously, they start very late. They started promising money, which then took a very long time to go out, and then only reached certain organisations. And there are loads of people like like freelancers like myself who often fall through the cracks mm. and. Obviously, it's a very difficult situation for any government to deal with, but I don't think many people in the arts community have been satisfied <laughs> with the handling from the government. It's Yeah, it's, it's worrying, isn't it? Because it's seen as fairly low priority, and it's often seen as having to justify itself. Yeah. The justification for the importance of the arts in this country, as in any other, is self-evident, really. And that's so sad. I mean, it's, I mean the theatre world in this country is so amazing, which has a rich history, and... And it's also, to speak in, in terms that the government might agree more with, it's also such a big moneymaker mm. for the country. So it really is sad how that's been let go um, to such a large extent, especially in, in, when you compare it to things like the Premier League or things like that, that seems to have been a lot higher up the, the list of priorities. Thank you so much to Linus for joining us. We've got some great guests coming up, so hit subscribe and we'll be back again next week.